It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 441 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, January 1st, 2019. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with Team Focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. There's Locked On Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA, which is daily with a bunch of different hosts from across the network chipping in there. On the NFL side, we've got Locked On NFL shows for all 32 NFL teams. We've got the National Locked On NFL show as well with Matt Williamson. Uh, All the stuff you need to know ahead of the playoffs or if your team fired a coach on Monday and you want to hear the lowdown on that, make sure you're finding this corresponding Locked On NFL show. And if you find any show on the network that you like, any any hosts that you want to support, uh, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing their shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can do that with this podcast on its own separate feed, Locked on Raptors. Uh, the, request, the, the comments and reviews and all that stuff are extremely, extremely appreciated, and they've been very nice and uh, more bountiful than pretty much every other show on the network. So shouts to you guys for making that happen. You guys are fantastic. Uh, so thank you for doing it if you, if you already have. If you haven't yet, please consider leaving a rating or review. It's super duper helpful for algorithms and rankings and making us more visible. All right, on today's show, I am uh, dealing with a cold, so I've enlisted the help of Vivek Jacob to uh, walk us through the Raptors' win over the Jazz tonight, Tuesday night, 122-116 at Scotiabank Arena. Uh, a big game where we got uh, career highs for both Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam on the one-year anniversary of DeMar DeRozan's own career high, which is fun and cool. Uh, New, Year's at New Year's Day games have been pretty all right. Uh, Vivek, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Excited for the new year. Big things, hopefully, for the Raptors. Um, and this was the perfect way to kick it off. It's been a while since the Raptors had this encouraging of a win, I think. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was good to see, especially, you know, with some of that Kyle news. Yeah, uh, we'll get to the Kyle Lowry back injury stuff uh, in a later segment for sure. Uh, because that is important, very, very important. Uh, I talk it also, just full disclosure, I've already recorded uh, the episode that's coming out tomorrow. Myself and Chris Manning from Locked on Cavs did like an Eastern Conference sort of status update. Uh, you know, Chris has been talking about the Cavs this whole season long, so I figured, hey, let's talk about the good teams in the East uh, as we used to do when, he, when the Cavs were good and were in that mix atop the East. So that's coming out tomorrow. There's a bit of Kyle Lowry talk in there, but not a ton, so we'll get to that later on. But yeah. Uh, this game, the Raptors, I think you're probably right. This is probably their most convincing win since maybe, oh God, 
maybe the most encouraging or happy or uplifting win since the Indiana win, probably, where they came back. But even then, that Indiana game, they didn't play particularly well, uh, and it was kind of a struggle and a, sort of a grimy game. This one, while it was just a six-point game, and it was kind of a free-throw game at the end, and the, the Jazz were doing like the Boston Celtics thing, where even when it's kind of out of reach, they're still fouling every possession and just like prolonging the game as long as possible because, uh, you know, we got nothing better to do than watch free-throws. Um, this was not really a game that I felt all that concerned about after the third quarter happened. It kind of felt comfortable, right? Like, did you at any at any point think the Raptors were going to relinquish that lead in the fourth quarter? No, I didn't. And I, I and right from the get go, like when the Raptors jumped out to that thirteen five uh, lead, you could see that there was much more of a flow than we're used to seeing. Um, even if you know there's still kind of that you know co op offense and then the team offense. But I think there's a better sort of mix of it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so right from the get-go, you saw that. And I think what allowed the Jazz back into the game towards the end of that first quarter was just, you know, the careless turnovers, the fouling, the the jump shooters. Uh, you know, twice they fouled Jay Crowder on three-pointers. So those are things that you expect to clean up and don't expect to continue over the course of the game. So uh, that's part of why I felt pretty comfortable going, uh, going forward. And then uh, once they cleaned up uh, the, uh, the offensive boards um, and sort of found an answer for uh, just keeping favors off the glass, I think it was a fairly comfortable win. I mean, when, you, when Kawhi is going like that, when Siakam's going like that, when Norm's going like that, um, you kind of just ride those guys and, do what you have to do on defense. Yeah, it was weird at the start of this one. Like, the Jazz, for the first, I'd say, like, eight minutes of the game were, like, rushing back and not sending anyone to crash the offensive glass, which seemed curious to me because, like, the Raptors were significantly outgunned size-wise, right, with Ibaka and Siakam. Like, this is a game I feel like Jonas probably started the game against the Jazz earlier this season. That's a Jonas matchup against Rudy Gobert. Uh, and so I was kind of, like, expecting maybe the sort of offensive crashing we saw later in the first quarter into the second uh, right from the get-go, but it wasn't that, that wasn't the case at all. Uh, and the Raptors just did a pretty good job of just, like, scoring on the Jazz's half-court defense in the first quarter or so this was like I don't know the first quarter the first half of the game I kind of found to not be all that entertaining because it was the Jazz just like quickly getting back on defense the Raptors coming down running a half court possession uh and like while the flow was a little bit better and I thought Fred Van Vliet in particular had a couple nice sequences he had a nice little pick and roll uh, exchange with Pascal Siakam for a dunk early on uh and he had five assists in this one led the team like this wasn't I would say like a traditional Raptors flowy offense type of type of game, right? This was, they only had 23 point attempts in, in this one and they only had 18 assists on 45 made field goals. And it was like a lot of ISO and, and Kawhi just kind of took it to the jazz defenders. Like th- no one on the jazz could really just like stand up and guard Leonard. So I, I, I don't really begrudge him for saying, all right, I'm just going to go do this myself a whole bunch of the time. And guess what? He did it himself a whole bunch of the time. Um, so yeah, it wasn't like a, a flowy game per se, yet they still put up like 122 point something offensive rating while mostly playing ISO. And like, I guess that's the, the bonus of having Kawhi Leonard, of course. He was 45 points again uh, to reiterate a career high for him. 16 to 22 from the field. 0 of 3 from deep. No threes. A true DeMar DeRozan ode, really. 13 to 17 as well from the line. <laughs> it was a very derozan game from, from Leonard, but like it was just so deathly efficient. It was incredible to watch him kind of pick apart, whether it was Joe Ingles or Donovan Mitchell or Royce O'Neal or whatever other bums they were throwing his way to try to defend him. Like, the Jazz, 
in theory, have pretty good wing defenders, but none of them were up to the Leonard task. And maybe not many wing defenders in the league are up to the task, so maybe that's not fair to sort of criticize them for that. But it wasn't just Leonard either. I mean, Norm Powell got to the rim pretty much whenever he wanted. I thought DeLon Wright, while he had some rough finishing around the basket, got to the rim pretty much at will too. Uh, And that was the thing in this one. They weren't scared, like... I remember last year they played against the Jazz, I think early February, late January, right when the Jazz were really getting hot, and Rudy Gobert had just come back from injury, and they just seemed scared to go towards the basket, and really kind of just stuck with like mid-range stuff or threes, and were like, just like, the, the deterrent of Gobert was so obvious, and they were really, you know, mindful of it, and I didn't think that was the case at all tonight, they went and attacked Gobert, they attacked Favors, they went to the rim pretty much at will, and that led to fewer threes being jacked up, but like, it didn't really matter because they picked up a bunch of free throws in the second half they picked up 30 free throws uh attempted in the second half which were just five in the first half uh which maybe was to do with Kawhi Leonard looking like he was going to punch Tony Brothers out at one point in the first half but uh that was uh yeah they, this it was a very sort of like old-fashioned grimy Raptors game in this one and it just happened to be super efficient did you have uh any other notes on how they played on offense in this one well, right from the beginning, just to touch on what you already expanded on, uh, you saw them go to Serge Ibaka early, and you saw Serge Ibaka take it right at uh, Gobert, right, yeah. and look to score and be aggressive. And so I think that's important when you're going up against a guy like Gobert. Um, and no one else uh, seemed to show uh, any hesitation, so maybe that, that sort of gave the other guys some confidence to just go up and uh, do what they need to do. And I think what was encouraging was guys cutting off the ball, looking to get to the rim and looking to, you know, once they got Gobert out on that pick and roll to just sort of make uh, full use of him being out there. And so I think that made a big difference. And then, uh, yeah, to touch on Kawhi, I think it was funny. As, as soon as Ingles picked up Kawhi in the, in the first quarter, you're like, oh, this is if this is the best option that they have for Kawhi, they're <laughs> probably in for a long night. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know he did a good job on Paul George in the playoffs, um, but Paul George isn't as strong as Kawhi, yeah. um, and Kawhi still has th- that quickness to him. So uh, I think he was just nightmare matchup for anyone that they tried on him, whether it was Jay Crowder or whoever, right? So. Um, and yeah, well, and the thing that I'm noticing more and more with Kawhi, like even when he has his off nights, it's more just like him being out of rhythm and just missing his shots, right? Yeah. He's able to get to his spots uh, most of the time regardless. So um, yeah, and then and then you complement what Kawhi was doing in isolation with the way the Raptors were able to get out and transition as well. Um, and I thought uh, it wasn't necessarily like forcing turnovers, but... Uh, once they started cleaning up the glass, I thought they did a really good job of pushing it and yeah. sort of not really getting into the Utah half-court defense. Um, so I thought that made a big difference. Also very much taking advantage of instances in which Rudy Gobert lost his shoe. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was cheeky. exactly, that, stuff like that. That was cheeky and fun. Uh, um, also, shouts to Donovan Mitchell in this one, 19 points on 23 shots. Uh, Kawhi had 45 on 22 shots. Just... Uh, the Jazz, man. I don't know. Like, they're probably better than the record because they've had a really tough schedule so far. I think they've said tonight this was their 22nd road game of the year of their 38 games so far, the most road games in the league. And, like, yeah, it's a tough schedule, but I don't know. They're kind of a drag to watch. They just, like, it's dueling 
garbagey sort of slow developing half court sets when they're when they're sort of concerned you know dedicated to getting back on defense and forcing teams to run a lot of stuff like that was what the first half was was just like a drag to watch and the jazz they don't have a Kawhi Leonard to be able to sort of make exciting things happen in the half court for their own side of things so they're really relying on like Ricky Rubio finding little seams and Rudy Gobert throwing down dunks and like when Mitchell is going to have games like he had tonight like just terribly inefficient was kind of you know, he took 23 shots. I didn't notice him at all in this one. So, uh, yeah, th- I'm not sure this is, like, a, a huge win for the Jazz, the Raptors, like, competition-wise, because I'm not sure the Jazz are all that great. But uh, considering they're without Kyle and, and Jonas, I mean, it is a it is a good win. Like, it, it, they, they performed really well. Um, did you have any other stray thoughts on this one before we uh, talk about some maybe bigger picture ramifications of injury and whatnot for, from this game or from the news from before the game? Um, just touching on the Jazz a little bit, I think a big part of why they turned things around and went on that sensational run uh, after starting out uh, a little cold was because Ricky Rubio found his shot, and yeah. he was shooting the lights out, and it, it was like, man, where is this coming from? But once, um, uh, yeah, once you see this Rubio again who can't make a shot, um, and then you combine that with Ingles, who's usually their best shooter. He went 0 for 5 from 3. I think them not being able to be the re- sort of the release valves that you usually expect, um, and then it creates a lot of problems for their offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're going to continue on talking about a couple other big performances from the Raptors in this one, and then Kyle Lowry to close out the show. But first, I want to remind people to make sure they're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network's uh, Instagram and Twitter feeds. It's really handy if you're a, a, if you want to be able to follow all the hosts on the network and not be concerned like, oh man, like I don't want to have to like follow every 60 hosts all the 60 hosts on the network i just want to like get all of their stuff in one feed that that's the, the perfect solution for you is to follow at locked on nba net or at locked on nfl net on twitter and you're going to get all their basketball or football related tweets their, their new fresh podcasts uh in game sort of live tweeting of games and all that stuff retweeted into your feed it's very very handy so make sure you're following those accounts on twitter and then on instagram we're posting little snippets of podcasts we're doing q a stuff like that uh with uh you know 30 to 30 seconds to a minute of content for you to check out and if you want to listen to the full podcast great if not you have yourself a little condensed take and you're more knowledgeable about whatever team it's about right now so uh, at locked on nba and at locked on nfl net on instagram and twitter we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed all right, let's talk about uh, two other guys who had very nice games for the Raptors in this one, who I kind of forgot to talk about off the top. Uh, Pascal Siakam, also career high for him in this one. 28 points, also 10 boards. He had one assist, uh, 9 of 15 shooting, and 3 of 4 from deep, including one above the break three that like sent like a shiver down my spine because it was so <laughs> smooth, so in motion, and just like fluid. And I was like, oh my god, that this is the possibility if it all kind of breaks right. Uh, what did you think of Siakam's game tonight? It was cool. I mean, do you even remember a spin move? I think no, that was no. That, yeah, that, that was the cool part for me. The fact that he got the twenty-eight on the fifteen shots and didn't even need his spin move. 
Um, that, that's the growth that you want to see. And I, I think this is the thing we keep harping on, the fact that he's able to keep developing this quickly. Um, and now if he's able to add the above the break three to the corner threes that he's been pretty good on uh, this season, uh, I think, again, you have Raptors sort of creeping up closer to that ceiling of being a legit championship contender um, and, you know, really causing problems in the playoffs because we've seen before you need multiple guys that when, say, a Kawhi Leonard gets trapped, when a Kyle Lowry gets trapped, that someone else can sort of take the ball and be confident in their own offense. And that, that, that's what you're seeing now consi- consistently from uh, Siakam. I thought it was cool even towards the end when uh, Kawhi uh, was getting trapped that Siakam was the one that was showing to the middle. Yeah. Um, Kawhi hit him the one time, um, and then they were able to... Uh, then he was able to penetrate and dish. Um, the second time the ball didn't get to him. But that, if, if he's the release valve, I think it's going to make things a lot easier uh, to attack and create open shots off those traps. Yeah, for sure. He, he's such a good playmaker, right? Like, he only had one assist yeah. tonight, but, like, he's had multiple four, five, six assist games. Of like, yes, he can get a little bit carried away and can kind of, you know, get ahead of himself sometimes. But I'd much rather the ball be in his hands than, say, Jonas or Siak, or sorry, than Serge Ibaka, right, in those situations. And it's nice to have that little release valve, which has kind of been a problem for the Raptors in seasons past. And I think we saw at the end of this game, like, it got a little frantic there as the Jazz were just, like, hugging Kawhi when he would come across half court because they were so terrified of it, which was awesome to see and uh, and pretty funny. Um, like, it is going to get a little frantic at times, and, and it is nice to have, you know, you had Fred out there, you had Danny Green out there. Shouts to Danny Green for his amazing play at the end of the game, too, by the way. The offensive board, uh, and to yeah, keep it alive yeah. as it was going out, like, just a ridiculous play, and that kind of sealed it for them. Um, but, like, to have steady playmakers and also guys who can be a little bit pioneering and a little bit sort of dynamic like Siakam like that's just it's not just that they have Kawhi it's that I think they're more set up when they're they're when Kawhi or their best player does kind of get that extra attention come postseason time like they're going to have a, a little bit more in the way of playmaking and just sort of just because of internal development guys right it's a it's a really nice and, and, and great development to see and yeah shouts to Pascal for an awesome game tonight he was delightful um, also, shouts to Pascal for getting on the low post. I uh, I'm not finished that podcast yet, but the first ten minutes or so are already great. So uh, you could tell how much Zach Lowe loves Pascal Siakam very very uh, quickly in that podcast. Um, also in this game, Norman Powell, very very yes. exciting, very cool to see. He played 22 minutes, 14 points, six of 11 shooting, two of four from deep, three rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Um, a couple crazy blocks that were awesome. And in, like, one in transition that turned into a Siakam dunk at the other end, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what did you think of Norm? And, like, this is kind of becoming a bit of a trend with him. He just looks really good and confident right now. Yeah, and, I mean, the big thing with him is the drive, right? Attacking with patience. I think um, the broadcast touched on the John Wooden quote about, you know, being quick but don't hurry. Um, and that's what you're seeing from him on the drive. You, I, I thought especially that hop-step drive that it, he went right at Gobert. Um, but before, I feel like you might have just seen him just crash right into him and, you know, get called for an offensive foul or, you know, try to scoop a layup in and probably be contested. Um, so I think just understanding the space that he can get to with the athleticism that he has um, – yeah, everything just seems so much more composed uh, than what we saw last season. He just seems really comfortable uh, and confident in his role. 
Um, he's, he's not afraid of taking charge of the offense. You can see when things are sort of sputtering in the half court. Um, he's not afraid to just call his own number. Um, yeah, he had, he had a couple of misses from the mid-range, but you're going to get that when you know you have multiple possessions where the clock's winding down. Um, but overall, again, even even on defense, um, you know, I, th- I think there was that one uh, possession where DeLon Wright started out on um, Dante Axum, and then you had Norman Powell having to switch on to him, and DeLon Wright went over to, um, I think it was Ingles. So that, that, that just shows the flexibility um, that he offers now ahead of a guy like CJ. Obviously, hmm. you know, Norm, Norm plays like this, it's over for CJ. Yeah, poor CJ got the Norm Powell ceremonial minutes tonight, three minutes at the end of the first half, and they didn't come back in. Um, it just, Norm is a better two-way player and is a bit more dynamic than, than Miles is, and if he's going to go two or four from deep, like, that kind of extinguishes any value that, that Miles would, you know, sort of bring in place of Powell. Like, it's just, it's it's not, it's a non-starter, really, and considering how yeah. much more invested they are in him, it doesn't make, you know, it's not really a hard leap to make to say, hey, Powell should be ahead of Miles in the rotation. But the thing that's going to get interesting, I think, is once Lowry's back, assuming he's back at some point, um, and you have Valanciunas back, and you kind of look to sort of pare down the rotation to what you think is going to be come playoff time, and you know, factor in that like rotations change and it's a bit uh, sort of variable based on who the opponent is. But like Delon Wright, as much as I love him with all of my heart, like he might be kind of a guy who could get pushed out by Powell as well because like you could conceivably throw it like a second unit if you're gonna if yeah. you assume that Lowry and Kawhi are gonna stagger in the playoffs, which they should. Um, like if you have say a Lowry, Fred, Fred, you know, OG Powell, Valanciunas bench unit, that looks kind of good. And there's like a little bit of attacking from Powell there and Ananobi a little bit too. And you got the shooting with both Lowry and Fred or, you know, throw in, in place of Lowry, throw in Kawhi and you'd have Fred sort of run the thing and you have Powell play the two. Like, I don't know that, that seems to make some sense given, given how Powell's playing right now and how DeLon has not been super consistent this year. And it pains me to say it, man, because I love DeLon Wright, but Powell might offer even a little bit more than he does right now. And that is, uh, and I don't, it's a weird night to say that because I thought DeLon was really good in his minutes tonight and he kind of was needed because Fred left the game with a hip contusion for a bit. Uh, and DeLon had to play an extended run from the third quarter into the fourth. It looked pretty good. The The Raptors bench kept the, the gap at about 10 or, you know, 7 to 10 and, and kind of kept it going. Uh, the way they did a couple weeks ago, I can't remember the game, but it was a really good performance from the bench where they kept the, you know, they they were able to keep Kawhi on the bench a little bit later because the bench was so good and kept the, the kept the lead where it was. But um, that might have been the Pacers game actually, if I'm thinking back to it. But either way, it was uh, a good game from Wright, but overall his performance has been a little bit up and down, and it's not quite certain what you're getting from him on a night to night basis right now. And if this is what Powell's going to do, and he's just going to be this nice little electrifying sort of instant offense kind of guy who is not doing too much and not get you know going without you know outside of his realm of abilities like that is kind of a better player than right right now for what the Raptors need so that's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on going forward uh any other last straight thoughts on Powell uh no I think uh, I think that, that's a good call between the lawn and norm I think that'll come down to matchups and what's needed at the time yeah uh and so yeah I disagree there um I thought DeLon played well as well, but I, I thought if there was anyone that was a little hesitant at the rim, it was him. Um, he had a couple of drives where I thought he was uh, reluctant to shoot, and he had that one drive as well in transition uh, where 
he looked to avoid the contact and went and it ended up being a tough reverse lay in that he missed. Um, but besides that, overall, I thought he was solid. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap this thing up in just a second with our final segment. We'll talk about Kyle Lowry. But first, I want to remind people, if you have a, a smart in-home... I don't want to say the name of it right now because it's going to... I have one sitting next to me and it's going to go off if I say her name. Um, but if you have an in like a smart home uh, thing, speaker, that you can use in your home to play podcasts or whatever it is, you can do that with the Locked On Podcast Network. Here's an example. Hey, Alexa... Play podcast Locked on Raptors. Getting the latest episode of Locked on Raptors. Hear that? It's crazy. All right, turn it off. Stop, Alexa. Alexa, stop, please. Yeah. (laughs) Alexa, please stop. There we go. She's turned off now. But see what I mean? It's so easy. If you have a smart speaker at your home and you want to play a podcast on it, it's that easy. Just say, uh, hello, podcast, or, hello, speaker friend, uh, play podcast Locked on Raptors or whatever other podcast you want to listen to, and it will play it for you. It's that easy. So make sure you are using your, ho- your smart speakers to play the Locked on Podcast Network. Uh, that was a uh, a very clunky read that I would not have had to worry about if I was recording in the room in which the Alexa normally isn't. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. Kyle Lowry today, he, uh, ha- I guess news came out that he went to New York last week on the 29th to get back injections and like anti-inflammatory injections. I don't know. This seems not awesome. There's no timetable for his return. He's missed, what, eight or nine games at this point now. Uh, I don't know. What's your level of concern right now, Vivek? It's really hard to say because we don't know exactly what the injury is. Honestly, they've been. has there not been games where he was out with like a thigh injury and not a back injury? Like it's kind of been back and forth and hard to really read. And the Raptors are never really, you know, for, forthcoming with injury stuff uh, compared to most teams. But I don't know. Like what's your level of concern about Lowry right now? Um, I'm a little concerned, but I, I'd rather wait for the timetable just because, you know, yeah. no timetable means, you know, he could just be out for the next game or he could be playing the next game or he could be out for a month. Who knows? Right. Yeah. So until there's a timetable, I, I, I don't want to get too panicky about uh, about it. And, uh, and again, the Raptors, everything they did this offseason was uh, being mindful of what needed to change in the postseason. So, um if he's good to go for the postseason, I think that, that that's the main thing that you want to keep in mind. Um, keeping that in mind, I think going forward, this is a good lesson that if he is back in the next few games, that maybe you need to be a bit more mindful of, about, uh, of how you manage him. Yeah. Um, so even if Kawhi is not playing a back-to-back, if you need to rest uh, Kyle, then you just go ahead and rest Kyle. Um, I think uh, as much as we keep talking about is Kawhi going to stay, Kyle is integral to that. If the Raptors are going to keep Kawhi, he, the Raptors, I, I, in my opinion, have to go to the finals. Yeah. And that's not happening without um, Kyle being the second best player on this team. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is just, I think, a warning sign. And the Raptors need to heed it uh, when Kyle is healthy and sort of managing his body, managing his minutes. Um, I think in some ways 
you know, if he is out for a while, I think there are uh, parallels that you can sort of draw uh, from this to, uh, you know, when he played an All-Star weekend, sort of thought it and was fine, and then all of a sudden he's out for pretty much the second half of the season, right? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the Raptors need to take the onus uh, going forward and saying, hey, Listen, we don't we don't care uh, as much as uh, it might mean to you to play Philly on uh, you know right before Christmas. Uh, you just need to rest right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think they just need they just need to take a bit more control of the situation when it comes to his health. Um, even if it means butting heads a little bit, if if, if, if that's going to be the difference in uh, him being at at his best in the playoffs, then I'm all for it. Yeah, you'd hope they have learned from the times where he was very bad in the playoffs. It usually coincided with some sort of injury or coming back from an injury and not really having the time to kind of get to full speed. Uh, you know, he's been very good when he's healthy. Last year he was very good and was healthy, and they managed him really well. And I know at the start of the year, you know, there, there was a lot of, you know, you got to play Kyle and, and Kawhi together as much as possible to get them the chemistry and get them playing together. So they were kind of matching minutes and playing you know, 34, 35, 36, 38 minutes in a game. Uh, there were a lot of games, obviously, where Kawhi's sitting because he was sitting the second night of back-to-backs or first night or whatever it was. And, you know, Kyle was forced to play a little bit of extra minutes there. You have Fred you know, Fred and DeLon were hurt, and then they were not playing very well. And that led to more minutes for Kyle as well and a higher burden. So, like, it's not entirely surprising to me that they had to, that it's gotten to this point where he, you know, maybe he's been a bit of, been worn down a little bit it's kind of similar almost not the same sort of prolonged absence but kind of similar to that year where he had to carry the team where DeMar went down for 21 games and by the time that that stretch was over he just had nothing left in the tank and he was kind of banged up for the rest of the season the hope here is that it's early enough in the year it's still in the first half of the year there's plenty of time there's like four months until the playoffs you would hope that they are going to be very careful with it, and I think they will be. Like, if they're going to be this careful with, with Kawhi and rest him, like, there's no reason not to do the exact same thing with Kyle. So I am confident that they've learned enough from just, like, being with Kyle for seven years now, for six years, however long he's been here. Like, I feel like they would kind of know the, the, the process of trying to get him back to health. At least, you know, I, I'd like to think that. So... Um, hopefully they sort of heed all of the warning signs and aren't being too crazy about it. And yeah, if he sits more time, like if they're not playing particularly well right now and that becomes a problem the deeper you get in the season because you want to be ramping up for the playoffs. But if they're going to play these games right now where they're coasting by on really good defense and like some nice performances from Kawhi and, you know, Pascal Siakam being the secondary offensive guy and they're going to squeak out these wins, maybe not look amazing while the Bucks, you know, over in Milwaukee just tear apart teams and, and like kind of maybe run away with the top of the seat, top of the Eastern Conference here, which they're not doing just yet. They still are, you know, the Raptors have played more games than them and all this. So we'll see what happens with the, with the Bucks record. But, um, you know, you want to... The first seed is important, but the first seed is not going to mean shit if Kawhi is not healthy or if Kyle's not healthy. So, like, I'm okay with them kind of continuing to play the way they have recently if it means Kyle is not being rushed back, if that makes sense. That was a rambling way to say that, but that's kind of where I am there. Um, yeah, it's not a trouble, like a terrible troubling concern just yet, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. And hopefully, we get an actual timeline pretty soon. Although it's the Raptors, so. Who knows what we'll get because they're very, very weird and tight-lipped about this stuff. Uh, that's about all I got for today, man. Do you have anything else you want to chip in before we wrap this thing up? Uh, no, that's about all I got. Yeah, I look out for my stuff as usual on 
Raptors Republic. Yeah, I'll have the recap for Raptors Republic up tomorrow. Um, other than that, my usual stuff at the Athletic Sportsnet, um, Vice, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Jacob. Right on. You can follow me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, rate, review to this podcast and all the Lockdown podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. It's extremely helpful. And uh, this here's to a big year, man. 2018 was a fantastic year uh, for the podcast. We, you know, our listenership grew tremendously, and uh, it's starting to really sort of pay dividends for us as well. So. Uh, really excited for what 2019 has to, to offer, and, and obviously the Raptors are going to be a hella exciting team for that. So I uh, hope you're with us every step of the way if you're a new listener. Or tell a friend if, you're, if you've been around for a long time and you, you have a friend who's a Raptors fan and they, they don't know about the podcast, please share it around. Uh, every single extra listener is deeply, deeply appreciated. So thank you so much for listening all throughout 2018. We'll be back again with the regular schedule now. Tomorrow, myself and Chris Manning, as I promised, will be talking about the Eastern Conference. Conference and sort of the, the we talked a little bit of Cavs and sort of the bottom of the East as well, but mostly top of the East type stuff: Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, Pacers, Celtics, yada yada yada. Uh, you know what those podcasts with myself and Chris are usually like. So stay tuned for that on Thursday or Wednesday. I don't know what the days are right now, and uh, we will be back with much more. Uh, I would imagine pretty extensive coverage of DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard taking each other on in San Antonio in Kawhi's return to, to the Spurs on, uh, on Thursday. So stay tuned for all that, and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 